section nine of birds and all nature volume seven number three march nineteen hundred this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b bailey's dictionary c c marble this may be called the age of dictionary making all philological scholarship seems to culminate in historic derivation without referring invidiously to cultivated foreign languages each of which has many such monuments of elaborate accurate and patient research it may be said with confidence that the english language is unrivalled in its lexicographers who at the close of the nineteenth century have completed works which only a few decades ago were not thought of as possible dr johnson prepared his unabridged dictionary in seven years with little assistance from the great an achievement which at the time excited wonder and admiration though insignificant indeed in comparison with present performances and yet there may be some doubt about the comparatively greater usefulness to the general reader of the bulky volumes of the modern publishers in illustration the reader might find an analysis of one of the oldest english dictionaries an interesting example for several years i have had at hand an universal etymological english dictionary and interpreter of hard words by n bailey seventeen forty seven on almost all occasions when i have needed to consult a dictionary i have found it satisfactory some of its learning on account of its very quaintnesses and contemporaneous character being better adapted to a particular definition than modern directness perhaps its greatest defect is the absence from it of scientific terms of which however there were very few at that time the introduction is exceedingly learned and the causes of change in language are discussed with much ingenuity many examples of saxon antiquities are given one of which the lord's prayer written about a d nine hundred by alfred bishop of durham we may quote from which it doth appear says bailey that the english saxon language of which the normans despoiled us in great part had its beauties was significant and emphatical and preferable to what they imposed upon us here is the prayer our father which art in heavens be hallowed thy name come thine kingdom be thy will so as in heavens and in earth our loaf supersubstantial give us to-day and forgive us our debts our so we forgive debts ours and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil the introduction is in latin greek hebrew and saxon characters are used in the definitions bailey defines the meanings of proverbs with far more particularity than is necessary perhaps and yet a small volume could be made up of these curious common or old pithy sayings as he defines them many of which are obsolete or unknown to the readers of the present day instance as sure as gods in gloucestershire this proverb is said to have its rise on account that there were more rich and mitred abbeys in that than in any two shires of england beside but some from william of malmesbury referred it to the fruitfulness of it in religion in that it is said to have returned the seed of the gospel with the increase of an hundredfold 
and good wine needs no bush this proverb intimates that virtue is valuable for itself and that internal goodness stands in need of no external flourishes or ornaments and so we say a good face needs no band one other a short one all goes down gutter lane this is applied to those who spend all in drunkenness and gluttony alluding to the latin word gutter which signifies the throat not a few of these proverbs with their explanations occupy whole pages of the dictionary and where they are traced to the greeks or the hebrews the original characters are brought into use as incontestable evidence of their authenticity definitions are numerous of words which while perfectly legitimate and of saxon origin and of common usage in the age of elizabeth are omitted at the present day from lexicons in deference to the prevalence of a more delicate taste the book contains about one thousand pages is printed in a style little dissimilar to present unabridged dictionaries and must have been of prodigious assistance to the author's successors he does not deprecate the labors of his predecessors whom he acknowledges to have saved him much trouble but he claims to have omitted their redundancies in order to make room to supply their deficiencies to the extent of several thousand words in no english dictionary before extant and that he is the first to attempted an etymological part this very important contribution to english literature far more important then than any similar performance could be now is strange to say nowhere mentioned in what is regarded as the best history of english literature and just here the remark might be appropriately made that omissions of this kind in standard literary histories and cyclopedias go far to call in question the qualifications of the editors a word may be overlooked or forgotten but a scholar who has contributed substantially to the growth and enrichment of a great language deserves a better fate end of section nine